grateful to be here. Uh, there are a lot of other places that we could be tonight, but this is the best one, the best place to be. Um, I'm super excited and thankful. Um, I'm thankful for my pastor and my pastor's wife, my mother Walden. I just want everyone to know that I started that. Um, so I want all the credit. No, I'm fine. It's just going to be an extra jewel in my crown, I'm sure. I know. Um, but I'm thankful for Annabeth and Jake wherever he's at. They've been so, just so faithful, faithful friends to me, even whenever we were all just a little bit crazy. Bailey, Bailey, you know, we were, (laughs) it was wild times back in, back, back in those days, but um, we've all come a long way, and I'm thankful that the church has come as far as it has, and, and I'm thankful for the hand of God on this church, and all that he's going to continue to do in each and every one of us, so. I'm thankful that you guys would allow me to be here tonight. Um, So I'm very much, I love a practical word. I love to walk away from a a service saying, how can I actually apply that to my life? How can I I take that and, and make it useful in my life? So I hope and I pray that this is that for you. Um, I'm going to be reading from John chapter 11. It's going to be a bit of a lengthy opening scripture, but that's okay. We'll be fine. John chapter 11, verse 35. Jesus wept. (laughs) Amen. And with that, I want to preach tonight on a very just, just wonderful title, When Life Stinketh. When Life Stinketh. So... It's all right. I'm not, I'm not like off, off my antidepressants or anything. It's going to be good. We're going to go somewhere and it's going to be great. Um, so if you would just pray with me right now. God, we magnify you and we worship you. We thank you for all that you are and all that you've done. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your many blessings, Lord. I pray that you will just speak through me tonight. I pray that you will anoint me and help me, Lord, just to deliver this message as you have spoken it to me. Help us all just to apply it to our lives. Let us be changed by it in this place today. We give you all the honor and the glory, God. There's no one like you, Jesus. We worship you and we magnify you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And with a hand clap, you can be seated. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, so I'm the kind of person, I love surprises. I don't know about any of y'all, but I love surprises. But only if I don't know that they're coming. There's nothing worse than someone coming up to you and saying, hey, I've got something for you. I'll give it to you later. I've got a present for you. And then for three weeks, they forget. And you're like, you might have forgotten, but I have it, and I'm thinking about it, and I want to know what it is, and the anticipation is killing me. And sometimes this gets the best of me whenever, I know this is going to be like the worst thing you've ever heard in your life, But sometimes this gets the best of me if I'm watching a movie or a TV show and I have to look up the ending before I get there. I know, it's terrible. I I do it to myself. I don't spoil it for anybody else. And I don't do it all the time. But there are just some times when I'm like, I can't take this. My anxiety, I'm going to have a conniption right now. I've got to look it up and find out what happens. I know they're not going to kill the main person 
I know they're not going to kill the hero. Don't spoil it <laughs> if they do. But I still have to look it up because you know where I was going with that. Yeah, yeah. But I still I have to look it up because I'm like, this is just, it's, it's too much for me. I, I have to know what's going to happen. It's that level of uncertainty that I have a hard time living in. I don't know if anybody's the same way. Maybe all of y'all are just like, no, I'm fine when I don't know what's going on. But not me. I'm like, Jesus, we talked about this. <laughs> so even if I know, you know, what, I, I know that God has it and I know that he's going to take care of it, sometimes I'm just like, mm, I can't handle this. So I like to think that life would just be a little bit easier if I could just look up the Wikipedia answers, if I could look up the page that says Jamie Poole, and I could just scroll down a little bit and be like, that's what's going to happen. I'm all right. I'm going to be good because I know what's coming. But life doesn't work that way, unfortunately. So in my opening scripture, we see, obviously, that Jesus is weeping. And he's weeping because his friend Lazarus has died. Now, this was not news to Jesus. In fact, he was the one that had informed his disciples and those that he was with that Jesus or that Lazarus was dead. He let them know that. So one of the biggest things I want to get across to us today before I get into everything else, the practical application of Jesus weeping, Jesus already knew that he planned to resurrect Lazarus. He already knew what he was going to do. So scripture lets us know that that is what he had planned in 11, John 11, verses 11 through 14. And it says, These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. If he's just sleeping, then don't worry about it, Jesus. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. So he, did, he didn't do this miracle of raising Lazarus. I'm going to spoil it for you. Lazarus comes back. He didn't, he didn't do this miracle on the fly. He didn't just show up and say, you know what? I think I'm going to blow everybody's mind today, and I'm just going to bring it back. He already knew before, before Lazarus had even died, Jesus knew what he was going to do. He was at no point unaware. And in that moment, as in all moments in our lives, Jesus is completely omniscient. He knows everything beginning to end. So when we find Jesus weeping over Lazarus, we can start to wonder why why is he weeping then if he already knew what he was going to do? So the first reason I want to talk about is Jesus wept with his friends. Because his friends were so incredibly sad and distraught over their friend and brother, Lazarus. They were so upset over his death. So seeing his friends mourning over the loss of Lazarus was so, so heavy that Jesus began to weep. In John eleven thirty three through 35, for the record, I'm going to be bouncing all around John 11, so just keep it open to that. 
Um, it says, therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. So Jesus set the example here for what we need to be for one another. In Romans 12, in verse 15, it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And we, as a people, we need to do better at this. I'm not trying to, to be mean to anybody because, trust me, the Lord's been working this whole message over on me for about three weeks now, and it has not been fun. <laughs> but every single one of us, we have to rejoice with those that rejoice, and we have to weep with those that weep. We can't just be there for people, you know, just occasionally or just because we think, oh, they're going to leave. We need to be there for them now. We need to be with them always, constantly, no matter what. We can't just think um, that if I'm just there for them, you know, only whenever they're going through the bad stuff, that's, that's enough. Be there in the good stuff. Rejoice with them. It's really hard sometimes when your life isn't going, when your life stinketh, and someone else's life is great. It doesn't stinketh. Sometimes it's hard to be like, yes, I'm so excited for you. Oh. But that's where we have to be. We have to make it make it to a place where we can rejoice with them even when we aren't feeling it in ourselves. Or we can weep with them even when our life is maybe going great. We need to be there for them in the good and the bad. And that's not just a job for the pastor and pastor's wife and their family to be there. I know they're constantly reaching out to people, always reaching out to people. It's not a job just for them. It's a job for all of us. We have to lift each other up and encourage each other. And sometimes that empathy is really hard. Sometimes all we want to say is, you know, you kind of got yourself into that. That situation, you kind of did that to yourself. Or maybe you should have known better and just not done that, and then you wouldn't be here. Or why should I be there for them? They weren't there for me. Or they did this to me. Why should I be there for them? Any number of reasons and, and things that we, we give ourselves just so that we can pass on that. No, it's all right. I don't, have to, I don't have to do that for somebody. But just like Annabeth preached two weeks ago, sometimes it's hard not to want people to get what we think that they deserve. But really what they deserve from us is grace and love and forgiveness because that's what we got when we didn't deserve it. I think an important thing to note in this, in this moment um, is that it's the way that Jesus responded to the people's grief, especially Mary and Martha. He didn't dismiss it. He didn't diminish it. He didn't get on to them for being sad and being upset. Like, obviously I'm Jesus, just ask me to do it. He didn't, he didn't re respond to them in that way. John eleven twenty 20 through 27 says, 
Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. So in this moment of grief, in this moment of just her, her brother just died in this moment of stress and tragedy. He reminded her of who he is. But then we see in verses 33 through 35, he still grieved with them in that time. He reminded them of who he was, but he was still there to grieve with them. And that's a, that's a thin line, and it's a hard line for us to, to balance on. We're human. We can't always get it right, and I'm not saying that anybody should. It's hard to do that. It's hard to balance, hey, let me encourage you, but also let me be here for you in this sad moment. Sometimes if we're not careful, we can take an encouraging word when someone is struggling or completely, you know, losing their mind or, you know, we all go through legitimate tragedies in our lives. And we can take these these moments when someone is struggling and diminish what they're going through if we're not careful. And it's so hard. I know that's hard because I struggle with that. I, I mean, you all know me. I'm like, hey, let's look on the bright side, though. Could have been worse. <laughs> or like, hey, let's think about something else maybe, you know. <laughs> that's, that's me because I just, I don't like to deal with the negative stuff. So I'm just like, let's just kind of push that aside. But I'm here to tell you that, that we collectively cannot do that, myself included. We need to just be there to weep with people when they are weeping or rejoice with them when they are rejoicing. And we know that God is going to come through in whatever situation someone's going through. We know that he's going to come through because he always does. And they probably know that too. But sometimes in the moment, they just want to be in pain. They just want... Somebody to sit there and be a shoulder to cry on. Someone to just sit there and listen and not say, hey, you know he's going to come through, right? Yeah, I know that, but I still want to cry for right now. <laughs> so we can see through this moment that Jesus, he understands our pain. He understands he's the, the epitome of rejoicing with us when we're rejoicing or weeping with us when we're weeping. He gets it. So in whatever situation you're going through, don't be afraid to go to him in complete sincerity. Sometimes we act like we have to make our problems like pretty and presentable before we take them to him. Like, oh, I've got this pile of dirt. It's absolutely worthless. It's just trash and junk. And it's just the most disgusting thing you've ever seen or smelled in your life. But I put a bow on it. Jesus. And he's like, take the bow off, and let's get down to it. Like, let's get to the real stuff. Don't try to fix it before you bring it to me. Yeah. 
just go to him in the frustration and the craziness. Just go to him. I know that it's not easy. I know that it's hard. Trust me, I've been there. But just go to him and just, you know, sometimes I just kind of want to be like a little kid and just like stomp my feet and be like, Jesus. But, you know, if I did that, he would be like, yeah, I get it. I mean, it is what it is. You still, you still got to keep waiting. You still got to trust me, but I get it. He's not going to get mad at us for going to him in our frustration. He's not going to get mad at us for crying out and being like, God, I don't understand what you're doing. He's going to be like, I know there's a reason. You're not supposed to. He's big enough for every emotion that you may feel over a situation. He's big enough that he can handle all of that. If we can have all of these crazy emotions, like just think about the ups and the downs that sometimes I have in a day, sometimes an hour, but like the ups and downs that we've had over the past year, all of those emotions that we can feel, he can handle those. Because if he couldn't handle your lowest lows, then he wouldn't be God. And then we wouldn't be made in his image. Because if we're having those emotions, that's because he can handle them. So I want to take a little pause right here and say, in this situation, we see Mary and Martha react to the death of their brother very differently. So if you read through it, Martha sees the crowd coming, and she's like, that's Jesus. I'm going to him. So she runs out, and she meets him in the road. She knows that it's him. And she's, you know, I read it. She's like, if you had just been here, then he wouldn't have died. Mary, she sat still in the house in that moment, just grieving, just feeling all of this pain, just knowing. She knew that that was Jesus as well. They were in the same house. She knew what what was happening. But she said, I'm going to sit still in this moment. And I want to tell you, both of those are valid responses to grief, to stress, to whatever situation you're feeling. If you feel the need to immediately run to Jesus, run to him. If you feel the need to sit still in the presence of Jesus, sit still and wait for him to call you out of that, do that. Neither of those are are bad responses to whatever situation is going on. They're both okay. And even if you feel them both at different times, that's also okay. He knows exactly where you're at. He sees you. He he can feel what you're feeling. He's, He's not afraid of it. But if you do sit still in that moment and he calls you, go to him when he calls. So now I want to talk about the second reason why Jesus wept. So the first one was he wept with his friends. The second reason is he wept over the loss of his friend. So why was he weeping? He knew that it was coming. It wasn't a shock to him. It wasn't a surprise. He knew the ending of it. He had already figured that out. He knew from the very beginning that he would raise Lazarus from the dead. It wasn't a shock to him. None of what happened surprised him. So why weep? I want to tell you that none of what is happening in my life, in your life, in our lives is a surprise to him. 
He's always there. He's always aware of us and what we're going through, even in the silent times where it seems like he's not answering me. If he had just been here, it would have worked out. Even when things seem like they're out of control, he knows. So why did he weep for Lazarus? Because he was his friend, and he was sad over the, that ending of that life. Even when we know God is going to come through, like he always does, that doesn't mean that we can't be sad. We can't, it doesn't mean that we can't be frustrated or anxious or a little upset about what's happening. It doesn't mean that we can't weep in that moment, whatever that may look like. Even when we know he's going to come through. He knew that he was going to come through. He's Jesus. He knew what he was going to do. But he still wept over his friend. He wasn't weeping because he doubted that Lazarus was going to come back. He wasn't weeping because he doubted his own power or because he doubted his, his own authority. He wept because Lazarus was his friend. And in that moment, he was gone. A lot of times we, we try to push our negative emotions away because we think it means that we don't trust God or that we don't believe that he's going to come through. But that's not, that's not the case. We can fully trust God and his plan and still be sad over the ending of something. I'm not saying that we have to lovingly embrace all the negativity and all the stress and the drama of life. Absolutely not saying that. I'm saying it's okay to be upset. It's okay to feel your emotions. It's okay to be upset at the ending of something because even Jesus was. If it's the ending of something bad, be upset about it. If it's the ending of something good and you're grieving, definitely be upset about it. So let's go back to the beginning of John 11, 1 through 7. It says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore he, the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. So obviously Jesus was not worried. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. And then I'm going to read um, 11 through 15 again. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Jesus said that he was going to wake Lazarus. He spoke it. He didn't misspeak. He didn't, you know, oh, Jesus kind of lost it on that one. He knew exactly what was going on. And him saying he was going to wake Lazarus, that was a promise. The moment that he said it, that was a promise from God. The promises of God don't often look the way that we think that they should. 
when he speaks promises over our lives, we immediately are like, all right, so it's going to work out like this and this, and it's going to be great. And he's like, that's funny. That's not at all how it's going to happen. <laughs> not even close. <laughs> Jesus said that he would bring back Lazarus. He told his disciples that, and he told Martha that. Martha thought Jesus meant that at the last days with the with the rising of the dead, Lazarus would come and it would be great and, you know, the trumpet has sounded and here comes Lazarus, finally he's back. And Jesus is like, that's so great that you think that, but I got so much better, so much better planned. The people of Israel, they didn't recognize Jesus. He was the promised Messiah. They were expecting him, but because he didn't look the way that they were wanting him to look, like a war hero. They were like, that's not him. There's no way that's him. The promises of God don't look the way that we expect, and that's okay. Because we know that his ways are better, and we know that he has so much, so much greater in store in his promises than what we can get out of them. But if you need to mourn the death of your expectations, do that. If you expect God to come through this and this and this and this way, mourn that when it doesn't happen because it's not going to happen. And I'm telling you, sometimes it's like, oh, gosh, I was really, really hoping on that, Lord. But we know that he has better. And we have to get through those negative, those negative emotions and we have to embrace the fullness of God. If we try to go around those negative emotions, then we, then we miss it. We have to go through it. Feel what you're feeling and let it happen. When Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life to Martha, he was letting us know that in him is the power to put to rest what needs to be laid down and bring back to life what should be brought up. It was the same Lazarus that came back, but you can't convince me that mentally that was the same Lazarus. Like, you know, he was stepping out of there like, I got a new lease on life. I got plans, and y'all better watch out, because I'm telling everybody about what just happened to me. We, we know that that had to be different, and you can't tell me that the people that were there that day were like, this is normal. Um, yeah, cool. They were like, absolutely, this is the coolest thing that's ever happened. I can't wait to tell everyone I know this is so cool. You know that they were completely changed in that moment. It's hard. It's so hard to go through situations. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. But when we let God end how we expect things to be and let him bring his life to plan, First of all, we already know that what we receive is going to be way better than what we plan. Because Lazarus living was better than what Martha had planned. Martha was like, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Oh, okay, there we go. <clears throat> So, we know that Martha, she was like, it's fine, 
He's dead. I'm sad. But one day he'll, he'll raise up with all the others, and it'll be a great time. But Lazarus coming to life in that moment was so much better. Lazarus was alive. But also, when we let God end our expectations and resurrect the promise in his way, that resurrection can be a catalyst for all of the people around us. Your prayer of faith over your life can encourage those around you. Even if your, pray, your prayer of faith is just like, Lord, all I have is this mustard seed. I'm speaking the things over me that you have, that you have said. I'm, I'm speaking the word of God over me. And I'm, I am having a hard time even believing it, but I'm speaking it because I know that you're faithful. I know that your word is true, and I know that you're going to come through. And someone else who's struggling in the same moment can hear that and say, you know what, I need to do that. That's exactly what I need to do. I need to pray that sort of faith over my life. And just like Chris spoke about last week, we have to put our love and fear of God above everything else, above our expectations, above what we think is going to happen, above our own timeline, and above how, how we think that it should go. We can't let what God spoke into our lives overtake who he is in our lives. So now we come to the resurrection of Lazarus. Mary and Martha have both stated, Lord, if you had just been here, then you could have healed him, and he would have died, or he wouldn't have died, and it would have been all okay. You know, he was just sick, and and you could have healed that. So, so much of the trouble we have comes from us trying to make the will of God happen, outside of the time of God. And it's really hard not to do that. It's really hard because it's like, all right, I see this, and if I just do A, B, and C, then it should all line up. But that's not how it goes. We have to wait on the timing of God. Lord, if you had just been here, he wouldn't have died. Or if you had just done it my way, I wouldn't have to go through all of this. If you had just worked it out the way that I had it planned in my head, then everything would be fine right now. I wouldn't be going through all this. I wouldn't be stressed out. I would be fine. But that's not what God has in plan, planned for us. So Jesus has already said what he's going to do. He's already said that he's going to raise Lazarus. It's not, no one should be surprised at this point. But Mary and Martha, they're both thinking from their expectations of Jesus, not who he actually is. But it's not just them. John eleven thirty five through 37 says, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? So many people we're thinking about what the Lord could have done. No one was thinking about what the Lord would do in this moment. God, you could have done it, though. Like, you could have worked this out like that instead of thinking about, well, what's he going to do right now in this moment? We can't let our small expectations see God through a lens of past tense.
So still, even though no one was expecting it, God did the miraculous. And even if you're not expecting it in your life, if you've just given up hope, God can still and will still do the miraculous. John eleven thirty eight through 40. It says, Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Now, I don't know if y'all have ever been talked to like that from the Lord, but it's not fun. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm so sorry, Lord. I'm so sorry. It's okay. My bad. Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Yes, Lord, I'm sorry. You did say that, and I was just thinking from my own expectations, not from who you actually are. So that verse 39 in the King James Version says, By this time... He stinketh, which obviously is where my wonderful title comes from. When the promises of God seem so far gone, sometimes we think, man, it just stinks. Life just stinks. And these promises, I feel like they even kind of stink because nothing, nothing's working out. Nothing's going the way that I thought it would. Nothing even looks. There's no way Lord, that you could do this out of this situation right here. It's so far gone, there's absolutely no way. It stinks. It stinketh. The thing is, our understanding of the situation is never actually what the, situa- or what the situation actually is. It's never what's really going on. I can't see the end from the beginning. You can't see the ins and outs of every, every person and, and thing that's being orchestrated to make what's supposed to happen, happen. But God can see it all, and he's orchestrating that in a way that seems completely impossible to us. I mean, completely impossible. And if, if nobody else is feeling this, it's, I mean, I know that I have been here where, Lord, there's no way that you can do anything from this. There's no way it's so far gone, it's so dead, by now it stinks. There's no way you can do that. And the thing is, I've read the Bible and I know what he can do, but I still say that kind of stuff sometimes because sometimes this right here just, it it gets me in trouble. The craziest part of all of that, Lazarus dying was the plan all along. He, he stayed there for two days before traveling to, to meet Mary and Martha and Lazarus because the plan all along was for Lazarus to die so he could resurrect him. Whatever craziness is going on in your life, that's his plan all along. Jesus could have healed Lazarus. Absolutely he could have. But the Bible says that he tarried a few days longer when he heard Lazarus was sick. This was the plan from the start. So don't let the stench of your situation stop you from believing God. By all means, feel that grief of of what's going on. By all means, feel the ending of that. Absolutely, let that happen. 
but know that it doesn't matter how bad it smells. It doesn't matter how much life may stinketh at this point in time. God has made you a promise, and he's going to see it through. When it gets hard, we tend to get frustrated and question God. Like, God, why has it been so long? Why is it so hard right now? Why me? Or why not me? Why everybody else but me? And we feel like our situation just stinks. And I know when life gets tough, it's so easy to adapt the mindset of, God doesn't hear me. He isn't concerned with what's going on in my life. He's probably honestly just laughing at me. He doesn't, he doesn't care. He's just left me. I'm here by myself. It's just me. I know because I've been there. I've been in that place. I know how that mindset can set in, and then it's just like over and over and over. That's all you think. But I can tell you that that mindset is because things aren't going the way that you expect them to go or the way that I expect them to go. They're not going according to our timeline So we think God's just left us out in the cold. But that's not true. He's always there, and he is there for you in that crazy moment. But in that moment, we feel like he's left us, and everything just stinks. It all stinketh. But God works in the mess, in the stink. And that stinketh can't stop him. We have to trust and believe that he is setting up every single promise he has made. And I know sometimes all you have is that mustard seed. All you have is that tiny little bit of faith. But that's all that you need. I know the situation might not look great. It might look like absolutely just demolished. But that's where God works. And I know it may even feel worse than it looks. You may feel like, there's no way I'm coming out of this. There's no way I'm going to make it out of this. But God is able to finish what he started. He's not a quitter, so don't quit on him. Psalm 119, 89 says that his word is forever settled. So don't let the circumstances of death make you doubt the life-giving power of the word of God. When it's his time, it will happen. When it's supposed to be, that's when it will happen. If you can stand and if the music will come, I want to read a promise that the Lord gave to Israel. In Isaiah 60 and verse 22, it says, A little one shall become a thousand, and a small one a strong nation. And this is the part I want to focus on. I, the Lord, will hasten it in his time. In the CSB version, it says, I am the Lord, I will accomplish it quickly in its time. In the NIV, it says, I am the Lord, in its time, I will do this swiftly. In the ESV, it says, I am the Lord, in its time, I will hasten it. In the NLT, it says, at the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. And in the NET, it says, when the right time comes... I, the Lord, will quickly do this. When the right time comes, I'm going to take care of it. If it's not happening, it's not the right time. And trust me, I know that that is like the worst thing. Like that's the last thing you want to hear because that's the last thing I want to hear. 
but it's so true and we have to we have to get past we have to get through that negativity and say I get it God I know it's not working out the way that I wanted it to but I know that it's going to be even better the way that you're doing it so if you're currently waiting on a promise from God I know that what I'm saying isn't necessarily what you want to hear because it's hard for me to hear too and I know that even though it's hard to hear that doesn't make it untrue I know that things can be so frustrating at times. And please know that feeling that frustration is okay. It's fine. But don't stay in that frustration. If you have a friend that you know is struggling, be there for them like you've never been before. If you're struggling, ask someone to be there for you like they've never been before. No matter what you may be weeping over tonight, I'm asking you to just hang on just a little bit longer. Because I can't tell you when it's going to happen or when God's going to come through, but I can tell you that he, he always does and that he's going to. So all that would, I'm asking you to come to the altar now. And no matter what you're going through, I want you to know that God is here for you. I'm asking that you would come down and have a real moment with God, a prayer closet moment with God. Whatever measure of faith you have for your situation, Extend that to God because He's going to meet you in that faith. Even if all you can say right now is, God, it's so hard. It's so hard right now and I barely hold on. If all you can do is cry out to God and say, God, I'm so close to losing it over this. I want you to know, I want to remind you that when we are weak, He is strong. When it doesn't seem like He's going to come through, that's when He makes a way. In the craziest moments, that's when He's got it all in His plan, all under His control. I'm here.